In his temperament, Knox was not, as someone has said, a kind of human cannonball, inflexible and insensitive. On the contrary, he could recognize situations where the exercise of moderation was a Christian duty. He did not approve, for instance, of those who advocated secession from the Church of England in the 1560s because of differences not essential to salvation. God forbid, he wrote to them, that we should damn all false prophets and heretics that agree not with us in apparel and other opinions, who yet preach the substance of doctrine and salvation in Christ Jesus. Welcome back to the These Days podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. We've yes, just we had are. we've just had a nice little giggly opening oh, yes. here. <laughs> yes. In the These Days ben studios. can be so silly. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was totally me. Yeah. Uh, we're glad to welcome you back for part 2 of this exciting um two-parter. I don't know what you call it. What do you call it when it's a two-parter? Uh, this exciting saga. It's a mini series. It's a mini series. It's a limited yeah. limited run. Yes. Um, we are, uh, we're just glad to have you back. Remember, you can check us out on Instagram at we'll be going now or patreon.com slash we'll be going now. And you know, the best way for you to help the these days podcast grow and move into the future is to support us on Patreon. So we invite you to do that. Um, you get special access to free episodes that nobody else gets access to except our listener or our supporters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you get some free these days swag. So, um, I think that's all I need to say about that because you left us on quite the cliffhanger. Oh, I did. And let me see if I can restate the cliffhanger. Yes. Last week the cliffhanger was the theology of the Scottish Church was uh, had had been had gone through a reformation. Yes. But the practice of the faith still had not been reformed. Yes. Dun dun dun. dun. <laughs> it's a really well, really intense cliffhanger. Dan. Yes, but yeah. here, here's the thing, Ben. Uh-huh. You, I learned this from a history teacher of mine in college. Okay. Okay, the history in, in mainly is a history of ideas. Uh-huh. In fact, uh, my friend Jim Houston yep. uh, did his PhD on the history of ideas. Yes. Yes, and so uh, ideas actually changed the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, you know, just, the question in the Reformation, I'm for example, really is glad did it go that, all the way? I'm just really grateful that anybody tuned in for part two after that cliffhanger. That's all I'm saying. That's what, all I'm saying. That was a good cliffhanger. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Anyway, back today, we left Scotland uh, reformed, but what we learned was that the reason for the reform was that, uh, this, the, as uh, Murray says, our, our friend Ian Murray uh, of the book uh, A Scottish Christian Heritage, uh, said that you know gospel the gospel was not known in Scotland in those days previous to the Reformation mm. because people weren't speaking about it. And, and the, part of the reason is, uh, and part of the reason why there was a struggle even after the Reformation uh, in the Scottish Church is that, you know, really politics, intrigue, and religion are all mixed together in this story. Hmm. 
And there's one person who sort of stands out as the leader of it uh, and is well known for that fact. And his name is John Knox. The great John Knox. Yes. And depending on who you talk to, he, um, you know, is a scoundrel or an activist uh, or he's a Bible teaching preacher and reformer who was uh, incredibly gifted at speaking the truth. And maybe maybe all of those things, with, with the exception of the scoundrel part, uh, are really true. I mean, they're, 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 let me just give you an example. There are some, um, some indications that he was complicit or at least speaking um, harshly enough to help cause the violence uh, that caused the death of uh, Mary, Queen of Scots' mother. Yeah. The murder. Yeah. So, anyway, that's just an illustration, but we'll see. In fact, this he kind of gets wrapped up in the story of Mary, Queen of Scots quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But everybody agrees that his preaching in St. Andrews and in St. Giles Cathedral in High Street in Edinburgh, which you and I have been to, Ben. Yes. In fact, I don't know. This was a time we were there, Mom and I, and I think Chris were there. Uh, we got to see the Queen. Yes, I remember at, that. At the yeah. door of St. Giles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very exciting. So, yep. She did the Queen wave, you know, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, which you couldn't see. Just note note for the listener that yeah. Dwayne just did the yes. Queen Elizabeth well, wave. I, I the learned little, it from her. The little, from the her. little pivot yep. of the yep. hand. It's just beauty. That was really nice, yeah. Dad. Uh, pretty good. Is that, where you, is that what you're going to do on your retirement Sunday? When you uh, just, no. Still... You see, this, we got to go talking about this retirement because I'm just <laughs> going, I mean, I'm still doing the These Days podcast. Right, yeah. And I'm still teaching at the seminary. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, so there'll be lots of things I yeah, still it's do. Just all, all that's happening is no, you're going out to pasture. No, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm moving into a different uh, form of the vocation. Right. Perhaps you'll lead a reformation, yeah. much like John Knox. Tell I, us about John Knox. I don't think so. We bet, But we're digressing here seriously, Ben. Yeah, Let's tell us go about back. John Knox. So you could call, what you could call John Knox, which I think the best description I heard uh, would be to call him a restless Calvinist. Okay. I thought he you were going to say restless, restless cowboy, but go ahead. <laughs> Gee, man. Okay. Uh, anyway, he wasn't always a Calvinist, but he he was exiled several times. Yeah. Uh, and one of those times, he wound up going to um, Europe, and he met uh, John Knox. Wait. I mean, sorry, he met uh, John John Knox, <laughs> met John Calvin. Okay, okay, okay. There's okay. too many Johns around here. <laughs> So <laughs> it's like, wait, he went there and really found yeah. himself, or what? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and 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 uh, and, and and he was too sort of tutored under uh, Calvin. That's okay. why he became a Calvinist. So, he, so he he was sort of mentored by the great John Calvin. Yes, wow, he was. And um, and yet they had disagreements. Like John Knox came up with this idea that it was okay to push back in violence, huh? Um, if uh, you know, your opposition uh, is uh, you know, it, it, as Christians, it's okay to push back in violence if the opposition is doing harm to the gospel or doing harm to God's people, kind of thing. Oh, wait, John Knox thought that? Yes. Oh, wow. But Calvin couldn't affirm that. He couldn't right. sign off on that. And so that's when one, the first time uh, John uh, Knox. So ba left. basically, John Knox was okay with defending the gospel with violence. Uh, well, as that quote in the cold open I read to you, uh, which was one of the. Was was something that Knox said when the um, during the Reformation to I think it was during the sort of the conventicle to uh, bring about the Scottish uh, Confession. Okay, I think that's what he was saying too. Is like we're not going to put a bunch of opinions in here, 
and we're not going to we're, we're going to stick with the truths of salvation. Yeah. We're not going to even the peripheral things in the in the Bible. We're not going to say, okay, we're going to come back at you with violence. Yeah. But he was talking about he was he was leaving a country that uh, people who had become Protestant were being executed. Yeah. And so that's what he was talking about. Um, and we'll again. You know how much he was involved in that. There's a lot of this story that we don't really know, and, okay. and people, you know, historians over the years have made some assumptions too. Okay. But another thing I need to clarify, I mm -hmm. think, is that there are three Marys in this story. Okay. Uh, Mary the first, who became known as Bloody Mary. Yeah. That's the daughter of uh, Henry the Eighth. Right. Uh, and then, and she's the, the one that uh, took over after Lady Jane Grey, right? And yes. Yeah. Okay. And then there's. Um, Mary, and she was, uh, wait, sorry, she was a Catholic, if I remember right. Uh, uh, yes, the Roman okay, Catholic yeah. queen. Uh, yeah. uh, well, no, well, she, uh, no, she kept up her father's uh, religion. Oh, okay, I yeah. thought she was a Catholic. But later, uh -huh. Mary of Guise, okay, uh, who was a French noblewoman, okay, and she became an. Um, she became Queen of Scotland because uh, she was the second wife of King James the Fifth. Okay, and uh, she was Catholic. Okay, so she was trying to push Catholicism, and she was one of the big movers and shakers in bringing back Catholicism. Because remember last um, last podcast, we talked about how uh, the Roman Church was sort of in, in demise and had very little control over Scotland or yeah. England at that point. The, the Scots kept it around because they hated English, and so. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then so that's so Mary the first, Bloody I'm, Mary, Mary of Guise. I'm, I'm looking this up. I mean, I'm looking that she, uh, she Mary the first, Bloody Mary was a Catholic and was violently okay. like oppressing the Protestants. I think that's why she's okay. called Bloody Mary. Okay, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So she went the other so, way from her father. So yeah, two Marys. Yeah. Yep. Two Marys, and then uh, Mary guys and Mary Guise was actually in the throne for five years while they were waiting for their her young daughter who became queen at 19 years old and oh, that's wow. Mary Queen of Scots. Oh right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Mary Queen of Scots is the one that um John Knox had the most uh interaction with. Okay. So um anyway, uh in uh 1560 mm -hmm. uh speaking to the counselors of the Queen Regent um here's what uh Knox said. Mm -hmm. uh, that is, the Queen Regent, remember, is the head of the church now. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be Mary, Queen of Scots. He says, These ignorant papists that were about her understood nothing of the mystery of our redemption. Huh. So that was sort of his theme. Like, yeah. the, the problem is is that, um, you know, uh, we he, he he's, he's saying, look, we're, we're pushing back against what, what the church is saying. The church is what doles out that salvation, and that's not true. That's That's the way he painted it. There is, you know, other evidence. I mean, one of jo Knox's favorite words is battle. Huh. He uses the word battle over and over again. And yet he said to himself that he knew that it was not against flesh and blood, but it was principalities and powers and against, uh, you know, the rulers of the darkness of this world, uh, as Ephesians 6, 12. Okay. So he, you know, so... But, so he, but that's what he that's what he did in terms of pushing back against Mary, Queen of Scots. They had several interviews where he constantly was 
was telling her, you know, you need to knock this off. You need to let us be free and be mm. Protestants and quit pushing Catholicism and quit imprisoning Protestants and so forth. But but she let him talk, talk to him about this, and he called her some, you know, pretty said some pretty harsh things to her. I'm sure she said some things back. Uh, but in, in the end, you know, uh, to be fair to Mary Queen of Scots, she gets arrested. And once she gets arrested and, and put in prison, John Knox does call for her execution. So oh, there's wow. there's sort of both sides of that coin. That's right. why this gets kind of confused and, and turbulent. Right. Uh, but we'll see a little later that uh, as far as the Protestants were concerned, they knew that or they believed that Knox was uh, really their leader and that he was speaking the truth from the scripture and that there was a certain amount of grace in what he taught. So... Uh, it just kind of goes both ways. At least, at least, if not in practice, if in practice he was violent towards people, in in well, in language, in he la- maybe would. yeah, sure, and but in in uh, theology or in idea ideology, he was yes. more saying yes. that we're we're not fighting people, we're fighting e- the idea of evil itself. Yes, yeah. the thing that controls people is what he was okay. the principalities and powers. Yeah. yeah. So Knox was about 15 years old when Patrick Hamilton was martyred. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of I'm reaching back in time now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sort of did a summary of it, and now we're going back in time. Um, but he was ordained in the priesthood in 1536, and he became a church lawyer and an apostolic notary. Okay. I'm not sure what that is. I think, <laughs> I think that's something legal, you know, sure. kind of like a notary republic. Um, in 1543, uh, it pleased God to call me in... Uh, oh, here's here's how he says it. it. Pleased God to call me from the puddle of the papistry, <laughs> 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 and, and the government had changed uh, to at least tolerate Protestants at that point. Okay, um, and um, according to historian uh, David Calderwood, uh, there was this friar named uh, Thomas Guillaume okay. who preached the gospel in East Lothian, which is where Knox grew up and was a lawyer at this time. Um, and he was uh, quote the quote is that he was the first man from whom Knox received any taste of the truth. Oh wow! As far as Knox was concerned, hmm. and so in the next three years he spent in hard study of the Scripture, and that was that's all he describes of his conversion. Wow! We don't know exactly how it happened. So by fifteen fifty three, we're moving ahead a decade now. Um, he gets exiled to England. Uh, he develops his Calvinist views. He's he's exiled back and forth to England and then the con- or to the continent and then to England and back and forth uh, a few times. And in, in 1553, um, he's forced to flee to England again overnight wow. in a hideout. Uh, and, and that is because of what you uh, looked up there, because of Bloody Mary okay. and her persecution. He has to lay low in England too. Um, and um, he... Uh, Knox escapes to Europe. He goes to Frankfurt and then to Geneva, and then uh, he develops. That's where he develops his theory of resistance. Mm-hmm. And uh, then in fifteen fifty six, he winds up having to leave Frankfurt. By the way, because he, again he had a disagreement theologically mm-hmm. with the people there. But in fifteen fifty six, things really start to heat up in Scotland, and uh, in the winter of. of 1545, there's this preacher that comes to Scotland uh, named uh, George Wishart, who is very influential on Scott. In fact, he becomes one of Scott's teachers. That's one of the places where Scott learns how to preach and speak. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But Knox becomes his bodyguard, following him around with a two-headed sword against assassins, because apparently there were a lot of assassins. Oh around. my goodness! So this is this is where it really starts going Braveheart. Yeah, and and uh, but but their companionship suddenly ends when Wishart is arrested by Cardinal David Beaton. Okay. We've heard of him last yeah. podcast. He's yeah. the head of the Roman Church in Scotland at the time. And uh, Wishart tells Knox, "No, I want you to leave and go return to your students." Huh. So that's what Knox does. Uh, Wishart is as uh, martyred, I believe, uh, and executed. And in um, uh, two months uh, later, uh, Beaton himself is murdered. Wow! In his own castle by a bunch of revolutionaries that come in, and so the Protestants and the revolutionaries take over the castle. You see, the the Protestants. And the reformists are sort of all mixed with the revolutionaries in this story at huh. this point. That's that's why it's just hard to untangle. So it's very much a political yeah. and religious movement. Yeah, from our point of view, from this day looking back, yeah. it's hard to untangle. Sure, you know who's who's right and who's wrong uh, some of the time. And um, but he does this class in the ca in the castle, and he has these these. Oh, this people. like theology class? Yeah, like he's you know, <laughs> theology for the people, man. So he's, he's bringing them in from all over the place. The place is getting packed out. This castle apparently is this really gorgeous castle in St. Andrews. And, um, but in, in August of 1547, the, the French galleons, um, there are 18 French galleons show up on the shore of uh, uh, St. Andrews. Okay. And it has 120 defenders in the castle, but... It's not enough. The French overtake them. And why would the French be there? It was because of royal marriages like Mary of Guise, who had been murdered. Oh, wow. Who was a French noblewoman. And then uh, that was the mother of Mary, Queen of Scots. Mm -hmm. So that's why they did it. And uh, they wanted to, you know, if, if they could, you know, the French were not real buddy-buddy with England at that time either. Right. So it's like if they can get their foot on Scottish soil, all the better. So they actually take over the castle and Knox flees again into exile. Yeah. And uh, in the summer of 1548, uh, he, well, he actually, I take that back. Instead of being in exile where he flees, he's taken captive by some of those galleons, one of those galleons, the troops, that the French troops. Wow. And he has to serve for 19 months in the galleys wow. of these galleons. So he gets he actually winds up being very sick and having a fever and over that 19 months becoming because of the hard work and the abuse he um he he sails north with these galleons back to Scotland and he's still in the galley right yeah so he's still a, a prisoner uh but one of the fellow prisoners a guy named James Balfour he sa he looks out the window and he sees this landmark of this city with these steeples and spires and stuff and he says to Knox he says do you recognize that landmark? He said, I sure do. And it was St. Andrews. Oh, wow. And we don't have details. I wish it did because this is an intriguing story. But we don't have details. But somewhere around there, he gets let set free. Oh. And so... so we don't know why. We don't know why. Okay. Uh, but it was during uh, this exile, uh, during that 19 months, that he develops, his, as sick as he was, his master principles for the Reformation. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they were these that we exist for the glory of God. Uh, Christians are bound to the universal obedience to the of the Word of God, mm -hmm. uh, no matter what the cost. And the true Kirk or Kirch, a church. <laughs> they, they what said they it. said, Kirk. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, oh no, yeah. the accent came yeah. out. Here it is. Sorry. We, apolo yeah. we apologize, yeah. folks. Yeah. We apologize. We'll yeah. put that back in yeah. the box. Yeah. <laughs> 
we'll just, put an we'll put an explicit. It, it comes out of me because I'm heart scared. We'll put an explicit warning you. on this so you don't yeah. listen to it with yeah, your no, kids. <laughs> Kirk, what's wrong with that? <laughs> it's the it's the the, the accent. That's oh, what they're doing. What's wrong with that? Oh no. Yeah. No. Hey, they listen to you know how to train your dragon and all that. They they do those kind <laughs> of scat accents. Anyway, the true church or Kirk, as they say, is this. He said it has has as its living head. Uh, Christ as its living head, it hears his voice, follows him, and a stranger will not follow. So if you're not following the true Christ, you're not a part of the true church. So that's those were his three pr- main principles. And um, so on his on his return then to to England, he goes to Edinburgh, and this is where some of the preaching at uh, St. Giles starts. Okay. And um, but uh, being free to preach, well, he, he actually. Uh, the bishops of Scotland come together in uh, 56, May of 56, and they threaten him uh, with their authority and and call him in. And, and Scott shows up with a bunch of uh, uh, so many influential people and bishops that are on his side that they call the hearing off. Wow. And so Knox is set free, and he's free to preach openly in Edinburgh, and that's where things really start to happen. Uh, and uh, things start to pick up. And so over the next four years, he's preaching, and uh, he even writes a letter to Mary, Queen of Scots. It's a very unusually respectful letter for him, apparently. Huh. And it, it and he's asking her to support the Reformation and overthrow the church hierarchy from Rome. Huh. Mary thinks it's a joke, and she throws it away. <laughs> okay. So... But by the, the revolution broke out in uh, 1559, as we said in last um, the last podcast. So Knox rushes um, home. He'd been in exile again, um, and uh, with freedom to preach the true Christ and uh, to, uh, to preach in Christ and uh, the true religion. And um, in the summer of 1560, uh, the Calvinists are in control of Edinburgh. Oh wow! And so, again, as they say, uh, the rest is history. But um, in several interviews with the Queen, Mary, Queen of Scots, during those days, uh, Knox had admonished her strongly, as I said, uh, for supporting Catholic practices and trying Uh to push that. And after she was imprisoned for her alleged role in the murder of her husband, Uh so she's not squeaky clean either. Right. Well, for sure not. I mean, yeah, you know about her story. Lord Darnley. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And uh, King James VI was enthroned in her stead. Uh, as she's imprisoned, and Knox openly calls for her execution, which is Whoa. seems harsh, but sure. uh, maybe uh, she was pretty vicious too. Yeah. Um, but over several years, uh, Knox uh, is a passionate preacher of Calvinism, and Mary, uh, the younger Queen of Scotland, uh, becomes symbolic of the two sides of the Reformation, and that's how uh, this whole thing went down huh. in the end. And events in Scotland eventually move toward Knox, and that's where uh, Scottish Presbyterianism comes from. Much of the Presbyterian movement, you know, finds its start there, and uh-huh. uh, so that's uh, where it is. And if we have any people of the Presbyterian uh, denomination listening now, thank you very much for listening. But yeah. uh, hopefully, we've done an honorable job of your um, uh, of talking about where that heritage comes from. So, so that uh, brings us sort of up to the so what. So that that history, uh, that that cliffhanger that uh, we had last week, where you know history shows. Yeah, I was just holding my breath on that one. I that know, was really I know, intense. I know you you haven't been saying much, but I think that's because you're really worried about this, right? Yeah, I mean, you want to know. Yeah. 
it just shows a good illustration of when you mix religion and politics and so forth, and there's so many splits going on. Could that be the trajectory that we were on that has caused 200 denominations in America today? Huh. I mean, in a lot of places in the world, they don't have nearly that, but we right. just we just keep dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing, and you know that that has some good word. Uh, and even the cold open about Scott saying we're not going to divide over things that don't have anything to do with salvation. I don't care what you wear. You know, we're not going to divide over robes Scott, and the color of the Knox, carpet. That was Knox, right? Did I say Scott? Yeah. Well, he was the Scott. Okay, John <laughs> the Scott Knox. Okay. Yeah, thank you for correcting that. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, he was very open to people. In fact, Murray has four things that we can learn from John Knox. Mm -hmm. The first one is, is that we hold to our traditions loosely enough to hold the gospel truth firmly, but be flexible on other matters. So he actually eventually came to that point like Luther did when, you know, Luther said, sure. you know, on the, on the secondary issues, we're not going to divide. Uh, and secondly, uh, he, there's this, re he, yes, battle was one of his favorite words, but there was a, a reoccurring theme in his ministry of encouraging people over and over and over again, particularly during the dark times when they were afraid for their lives or their livelihoods and those sorts of things. Yeah. He was a great encourager to them, apparently. So... You know, he had a very hard side, but he also had a very soft side, huh. or a, a gracious side, we might say. Uh -huh. um, and thirdly, the testimony about him always repeated, the testimony about him says he always repeated uh, uh, the reality of how you needed to preach the gospel with power. And, and that was the power of his preaching was what people remember over and over and over again, uh, even from that day, if you go back to the documents. And then finally, the history of the church and the Reformation at the time of Knox is a reminder to all of us that of how God is in history, that he can even work in our worst. And he, can, he is even at work in our worst um, because he brought the gospel to the fore, even though uh, there were lots of places for it to get off track. So I think that's an encouragement for us today when we have so many... Uh, days of chaos and confusion sometimes mm -hmm. so, great so that's what i got all righty yeah you got well, anything else i don't know right. well then it's time for uh books, books and stuff books and stuff all right i got i'm gonna do a repeat go ahead all right uh a uh, scottish heritage by ian murray yep quoted him already and then if you're interested in a primary source i just looked this up this is interesting Knox, in the latter part of his life, wrote a five-volume set called The History of the Reformation in Scotland. Wow, that's kind of like Churchill's yeah, six exactly. volumes of the that's right. Second World War. And you can get it in paperback today on Amazon for fifteen sixty-seven. dollars <laughs> If you want to spend... Can you believe that? Yeah, you can spend your entire retirement. That must be... That. But, but think of how thick and small print that must be. Uh -huh. Five volumes in, in uh, a paperback. Wow. So yeah, that's even bigger than old... Uh, Bruce Shelley's church history right here. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I got. All righty. Sounds Maybe. good. All well, right. I think that's a, a good place to land. Yeah. Thanks for being with us, everybody. And uh, with that, on this beautiful fall day, I might add, we'll be saying, we'll be going now.